Hello everybody, and welcome to another edition of Making History Dope Again. Today, Jonathan and I have an episode um, with a topic that we've alluded to and certainly addressed in passing, but have never really focused on squarely in an episode. Today we are talking about historiography, um, why it matters, um, and, and really how it's kind of an underappreciated part of the field of history. Jonathan, it's been a minute, man. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing well. Uh, the holidays are are wrapping up, um, so I'm thankful. Time with family, with friends. Uh, we took a little bit of a break in recording. So we did. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners for for patiently for patiently waiting uh, for some new content, but. Andrew, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Like you said, um, it's been really nice to, uh, you know, normally we, we really try to dutifully release a couple episodes a month, and I think we just had one for the month of December, um, and I'm sure it was kind of a shock to our, our listeners, but I'll be honest, guys, we, we love making content, we love recording, and we were at a point where we were like, you know, let's just take a break, and that way we can kind of reset, and when we make content, we're ready for it. We can give it a hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, and so I've been grateful to be able to kind of turn off the alarm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, my sister and her fiance came to town and, uh, I stayed for like, for like a solid week. And so got to see them more in, in, than I have in the past couple of years. So just, just so grateful just to have family and, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of cliche, but, but they, they're, they're the most important part, you know, and, and it was cool to kind of have time to, to make them that, you know? Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. Shout out to my mom, uh, who listens, and my dad. Uh, but my mom was like, "Is is something wrong?" Uh, is it? <laughs> it's like there there was no new episode. I was like, "No, no, there'll, there'll be new content. Don't, don't yeah, worry." And and I guess that's that's another thing. As we are, uh, we're we're recording this uh, kind of right at the tail end of 2021. It actually is uh, New Year's Eve. New Year's uh, Eve. As we're as we're recording this, um, and we are just so incredibly grateful for. All the all the listeners, family, friends, what people a year. who found us. It's been a, we've seen a huge amount of growth, um, and it's thanks to you guys, you know. Um, so I know I speak for uh, myself, for you, Jonathan, certainly for Ethan, uh, for for Ollie, uh, when I say that, you know, thank you, thank you, and and we look forward to. I think we're gonna have a big year of, of making even more content. Um, as we're as we're recording this um, today, we're talking about historiography, um, but we're doing that because our next couple episodes are going to be focused on what we're calling. What are we calling it? The uh, I think we're calling it Kansas Crusaders. Kansas Crusaders, uh, and so we're going to look at both the the story and the historiography of um, of first probably Cary Nation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, temperance activist, radical activist, um, and then we're going to go back to probably. The if you had to pick one guy who represents Kansas, you would pick probably 
John Brown. The John Brown. The John Brown. The uh, the famous and infamous. But man. as as I'll talk about in my episodes, some people would totally disagree with you, Andrew. Mm. He is not the guy. He's but not the guy. We'll save that for yeah I, those later I episodes. Gotta, I gotta Cliffhanger. Kind of, I gotta pull myself back here because I want to ask like further questions. <laughs> so okay, yeah. Well, I look forward to learning learning what that is, Jonathan. Um, Dude, yeah, it's been it's been crazy just this whole this whole journey with historiography. Yeah. So for the people. Uh, you and I just completed uh, our grad class over historiography. And a matter of fact, the class we did before uh, was a little bit of historiography as well with, with the, uh, the uh, I'm blanking, the legacies of the Age of Revolution. Yeah. So, uh, so this has been a hot topic that you and I have been into for six months now. Yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, and, you know, we haven't recorded, you know, with, with our, our presence in the press series, we, we recorded like kind of like week by week, mm-hmm. you know, what we were learning with historiography. I think we just kind of slowly gained like a larger appreciation um, for for this field that I think, like you said in the intro, it, it's it's the, the the meat and potatoes. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's really kind of the kind of the unseen work of historians. Um, but it, if you think about it and you kind of focus on it, you realize how critical um of a part this 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 place historiography plays. yeah it's, it's a crucial component to the field of history i mean i i was always kind of taught and believed that history was was just the retelling of, of past events right and it's right. so much more than that what happened right yeah it, yeah it's yeah. not just the what happened but the crucial component of history is historiography yeah which for the people who don't know historiography is the is the study of what people aka historians or scholars have written about past events and how how their writings have changed throughout time and so that's what we're gonna we're gonna dive into that a little bit more today and right like like you said into the future episodes specifically focusing on carrie nation and john brown what's written about them so historiography you know i i always say um there's obviously longer definitions but i always say simply it's 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 the story we tell about history, right, like um, and, and just how that's how that's changed over time, um, and also you know what stories have you included, and what stories have you reframed or kind of minimized, you know, um, and then certainly we know you know history is one of those weird fields where there's always something more to learn about a specific topic, um, and so sometimes it's as you get farther away from an event, you start to focus on larger pieces of the story, you know, not the not the micro. You know, um, so I, I thought for, for our audience, because historiography is something that, you know, you guys are certainly aware of. You just maybe haven't had to think about it in that way. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to just encourage you to think back to a paper you've written. OK, and this could be you're in middle school. <laughs> this could be that um, that you know, I think we were talking about a few episodes ago about how I had like a book report in fourth grade Miller about Fillmore. Millard Fillmore, <laughs> you know, Um and I ran out of content, so I did FDR. You know, <laughs> um, so the historiography on Fillmore wasn't very uh, wasn't very well, rich. <laughs> or at least for my fourth grade uh, my fourth grade studies, it, it was not sufficient. Yeah, um, but but pick a paper that you've written in your undergrad in high school, um, a project you've done. Think about you know, okay, I have to research you know the Vietnam War. I have to research um, you know Millard Fillmore, uh, the Temperance Movement. You know this specific you know suffragette, right? Think about how you did your research, right? You know, um, I know a lot of times my students, you know, they start at Wikipedia. 
Now, I always encourage them that Wikipedia is a great starting point. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's not a great finishing point. It's a great starting off uh, place. This and is you... a radical moment because a, a teacher is saying Wikipedia <laughs> is okay. And I say the same thing. Yeah, yeah you're right. Scroll we, down and look at the sources. When we were in uh, you know, probably middle school, oh, right? Man. Wikipedia was, was I mean, I was basically told if you're going to use Wikipedia, you should just drop out now. And yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> just get ahead because it's coming. Uh, but no, I, I think it's a valuable tool. Um, but if you think about how you frame that paper, you know, so, you know, and, and look, if, if it's if it's K through 12 education, right, and you had to have, you know, sometimes they say, with okay, five works cited, right? And mm-hmm. I always remember building those PowerPoints for a project, and on the last page, you just kind of throw all the your five URLs, sources, you know, URLs, proper or, citations. you know, maybe you would... Uh, you would just throw your five sources through like, uh, you know, like EasyBib. Remember EasyBib, you know, mm-hmm. through like an MLA, um, yep. which is funny because for history, you win it. MLA is not correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would do uh, Chicago. Um, or APA, but, which or, I still don't understand the difference. Oh, my goodness. Citations is a whole different. I, we need to not talk about citations for this class, <laughs> for this episode, because uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of history grad school is 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 citations, perfecting the citations, um, and yeah. that is not that is not that is not the the, the meat and potatoes of history in my yeah. in my view. <laughs> I mean, it's in a way, <laughs> citation. I I have found myself not to get too far off sure, of what you sure. were asking. No, you're but, good. Yeah. Uh, I think in in these last two historiography classes, I think I've paid a lot more to citations sure. of the sources that I'm reading. Sure. Um, because oh my goodness, those citations are a godsend when you're doing this type of research because it's a roadmap you can literally follow yeah um, yeah. the historiography but like i said i don't want to so well actually actually, let's let's use that let's use that so let's say this paper that you wrote this 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 project this powerpoint Mm -hmm. project you you finished on on you know uh susan b anthony right you know as your your teacher right or as someone you you know presented it to was you know hearing your presentation reading your paper right um, and they see that you cited something, right? You know, it's logical to see like, okay, where did this citation come from, right? Like, oh, they found a Wikipedia article. They found a, you know, biography.com. They, uh, Library of Congress. You know, uh, PBS, mm-hmm. right? Um, or, you know, when you get into kind of into, into college, right, you're going to start to see more of like, oh, this is from a, a scholarly journal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is a primary source that they got from, as you said, yeah. Library of Congress, right? A biography. Uh, biography. Like, oh, they found the biography of, uh, you know, of, Susan B. Anthony, yeah. right? Exactly. Um, and I think, like, th- looking at where you get your information from is kind of an interesting way to kind of start to see what historiography is. So if it's the story we tell, it's logical to see how has this historian, how has this writer developed this story? It's almost like you remember the telephone game? Sure. Yeah, where you know you line up in a line, and and the first person is given a phrase, and you have to repeat that phrase to the person next to you, and you know nine times out of ten, by the time you get to the end, the phrases change. I kind of view like historiography as that telephone That's a game. Great lens. As you know, here's how the historiography or the perspective of this person or this event started. Right. And it slowly changes right. by the time it gets to the end um as new pieces of that puzzle or yeah or, or like you mentioned as you kind of zoom out and look at the event or the person from a right. much wider lens and, and and that's that's kind of how you know um and 
even now to an extent, you know, when, when I pick a topic, like for, for the, these grad school classes, you and I have been, been in, you know, for, for, for paste and really our podcast has started around our, our need to, to share the content we're learning in, in our time at pace. Um, but you know, we have to pick our, our topic like really, really early in the class, you know, like, like, like two or three, two yeah. or three. Um, and at that point, like, look, we have not done like, you know, pages and pages, books and books of, of scholarly research on these topics, you know? And so that's kind of how it develops is you, you pick a topic and then you kind of start to like have a focus. And then as you get into the research, sometimes the story kind of changes. You zoom out a little bit. Yeah. It evolves. You know, there's been times I've had to go back, you know, halfway through a, a, a project and, you know, amend my thesis, you know, and kind of sometimes throw out the, my entire intro because I realized like, well, my focus was kind of wrong you know or or it was it was not where uh the the history the content the, the history took you a different way yeah. exactly exactly so for those of you listening right you know historiography is a story we tell about history so the paper that you wrote in, in your high school english class your high school history class right the sources that you found guided your story right but also maybe the perspective you came to the topic with guided the um guided the story right and, and you know? the sources that you chose and, and maybe because you had a certain perspective you found sources that agreed with your perspective you know um and and hopefully you know we, we hope that you were kind of a little historian there in, in eighth grade and, and you were <laughs> like well let me take the let me let me just you know see where the history leads me but we know oftentimes you go in with a perspective and like anything else you you find uh the story that that backs up your story right um and i want to be clear to an extent, that is a situation that historians find themselves in too, right? Absolutely. Now, for historians, you know, kind of the the I guess you could say the 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 scholarly burden of proof is is much higher if you're if you're publishing, right? You can't simply say like, well, here's the angle I'm coming from, here it is. You have to go and prove it, yeah. right? Um, but certainly, over time stories of on the past have changed right and those historians have been inspired by the eras they lived in by the morality and culture of the era they lived in and sometimes geographically where are they located what do they have available to them certainly here in 2021 almost 2022 we have the benefit of hopping on the internet you know i've bought you know, books for my, my grad school class, but probably 90% of the sources I've found, I just hopped on JSTOR, you yeah. know? Um, I hopped on, on our uh, our library online link. You know, I, I did not have to, you know, go to, you know, the library of library, Congress, yeah. right, exactly, to actually, like, dive through and find archival work. Dude, for me, it was Google Books. Google Books. I can't... I, so for my, for my paper on John Brown, I, I probably looked at five to ten books mm -hmm. written in the 19th century right you know talking 1860s 1870s 1880s right you know f books that i had access to thanks to the internet for free crazy crazy and so to think too is historians a couple generations ago even the ones who who spent the most time finding the most sources um and really trying to provide an objective perspective um they didn't have that ease of access, yeah. right? And so, so history is going to be impacted by that, mm -hmm. certainly. And there's almost a greater weight on modern historians because you have 
access to all of these pieces of the historiography. So you better be objective, right? Right. You right. you better know uh, all of these sources yeah. and and include them because nowadays, you know, if you're missing a key piece of the historiography, uh, you're you're not doing your your due diligence, right? And and I do think I do think if you look at history, if you look look back at history, you know, through like when you read about greeks and romans right or you know um the punic wars mm-hmm. you know um you know uh the conflict between you know uh asia minor and and the greeks right uh the persians right yeah um many of those sources you are reading are from historians who are writing a hundred years yeah, after those afterwards. events took place you know um and and their their historiography their their work cited page is sketchy at best. Yes, you know, <laughs> uh, and 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 I do think history. If you look way back and what was history a thousand years ago, right? In a lot of ways, history now is a truer form of history because it's it's you have to you have to prove it, you know. And yeah. someone can easily easily Google search and prove like eh, that's not true, but history way back then oftentimes was you know like learning lessons you know it wasn't even really a scholarly field right like right professional historians weren't truly a thing until the late 19th early 20th century right right Right. when when you know especially in this country the rise of universities um because i know one of the big things in this class was we talked about uh history as like a social science right sure it was something that we read about a lot um, and so now as, as history is its own professional field, right. um, those expectations of, of making sure that the histori- historiography is sealed tight, right. um, that your sources are cited uh, and that your facts are stated correctly is, mm-hmm. is so important. And as we're talking about this, I just, I'm just thinking, I'm getting excited because I always tell my students that history is never permanent. Sure. But now that I think about it, it's a great line. history the events that happen, those that is permanent. The sure. historiography is what's not permanent. Mm. The historiography is what changes. You know how we tell that story is what evolves over time. So let's. I mean, as we as we kind of develop this, Jonathan. Like, I mean, there's so many examples that are just like flooding through my head of what you just said of how the historiography does change. And and honestly. Is it bad that the story is changing? I think no. I don't think so. I think it's a good thing because how we view history now um, is, is a much more inclusive view of history than it was 50 years ago. And I'm sure 50 years from now, someone's going to find this archival thing and be like, well, this is garbage, you know? <laughs> you know? And so I think we're, we're part of history is, and this is, I think, how history is a science. So much of history is to look back at what did the scholars a generation ago say. And I'm not going to accept those as true I'm gonna to check to see if they're true, mm-hmm. right? And those and those scholars themselves, they were creating their own hypothesis. It, that's what a thesis is, right? Absolutely. It's a hypothesis. Absolutely. The, the, the works that we read for this class, those people looked at the people who came before them, and they they confirmed what was true, and they threw out what was not, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or or was you know misframed, or they wanted to reframe, right? And and that's what science does too. I mean, I mean, you know, that's kind of the whole view of 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 the scientific method is it is the job of the next generation to challenge um, the scientists of the past and to see, hey, what was what was not as correct as mm-hmm. as I can prove now, and what know? holds up over time, right? 
right? And I think I think something to remember is we're not saying historians 50 years ago are, are awful or garbage or trash, right? If anything, it's that this is part of a larger movement that together as a field, we can move towards being more inclusive and more accurate um, and better synthesizing the past, right? And that's exactly what science does too, is yep. how do we get better at decoding, you know, uh, biology or yeah, whatever there, field? There's that Isaac Newton quote, right? That if, if I have seen further, it's because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. It's the same thing with history, right? His, history today would be so difficult if it weren't for past historians who who did the, the hard work, right? right? That archival work, like we mentioned, with, with very little resources. Right, right. Let's, um, as we jump through this, let, let's pull an example. So I think there's a lot of examples that we could pull um, to, to kind of view historiography through. One that we've talked about on this podcast it just kind of keeps popping up, and mm -hmm. so I think it's a good kind of lens to, to view through, would be um, a book that we talked about uh, first over the summer. Um, a yeah. book, uh, Gene O'Brien, Firsting and Lasting, okay? Um, now, Jonathan, how would you just introduce this book to somebody? Um, and, of course, we've talked about it. But. Yeah. Well, it, it is 100% a piece of, of historiography. Um, but basically, all you got to do is break down that title, Firsting and Lasting, this idea of how history was written through the lens of firsting. Um, and so this is predominantly focused on the relationship between uh, Anglo-Saxon, Anglo-American, you know, those early Puritan pilgrims and their relationship with indigenous peoples. Um, this idea that as what will become the United States right. develops, this historiography of firsting, that the pilgrims were the first people right. in Massachusetts. Um, the Mayflower Compact was the first type of, of charter or document in North America to establish kind of a democratic government, right? This idea that the historiography or the story of, of modern society starts with these people. Sure. And then that's countered with the idea of lasting, right? Um, specifically focusing on indigenous people the last of the Mohicans, right. right? That that indigenous people have died out. The 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 idea of like the the vanishing Indian. Yes. Right. Um uh, and, and the 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 native is gone and so we're the new natives. Yes. We, we've taken their place. Right. And so so that book, which I would encourage anybody to at least read the intro, you know, um the book just kind of gives a lot of examples. It certainly is, as you said, historiography. Um but it's looking at basically like, okay, so, you know, the people who showed up in, in New England, right, um, what was their first draft of history in regards to, to Native peoples, mm -hmm. right? And, and as you mentioned, a lot of it was kind of saying, well, they're just about out of here. <laughs> yeah. And we're replacing them. There's, and there's that term that I learned because of this, but the erasure, mm. the, the fact that uh, with firsting came the erasure of Indigenous people, right? You're sure. just totally ignoring the fact that they were actually here. Um, you're ignoring the fact that uh, of their entire histories. Sure. So one of the things that that book talked about was um, kind of the genealogies that were written about these towns and these communities and how almost all of these, these you know, town or local histories right. don't really start with the, his, the historiography of indigenous peoples hundreds of years before. Sure. They, they start with the... Uh, the settlement of, of Anglo-Americans, so of think, their ancestors. So to think through the lens of like how these people would have been writing these histories, right? They're, they're saying, okay, how do we 
tell the story how do we you know tell the history mm-hmm. the historiography of this land and we're going to start the clock with us with us yeah. right or or my my grandfather you know um here in new england you know, white white english settlers mm-hmm. here in in new england um and so if you think about that being imagine this is a a book report assignment for for these historians right and they're told hey write the history of new england right and they're like cool but they're going in with how do i tell the story about me yeah right and and my new england my new england right and so certainly there's a certain amount of bias that comes with this right um and look if you only tell stories about yourself right it kind of reads as a story about yourself mm-hmm. right um and so that's an example of historiography now obviously we know that indigenous peoples are still around today and certainly back then they were much more prevalent even yeah um but even then they were saying hey these people are are basically extinct they're gone yeah they're basically gone um and so so that is an example of we wouldn't say that today right yeah. and so that's an example of how historiography has changed over time and that only has changed because scholars um have have kind of looked back yeah, to, to reevaluate and so i think there's a certain thing of you know there's a certain um fallacy that you hear in the field of history which is you, you can't change history right or or sometimes you'll hear people you know pundits right well, you shouldn't change history we shouldn't there change should, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't change history, history. Yeah. well you know they're they're changing history right there and, and the thing is look the entire field is about the story changing reevaluating, and 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 kind of pulling the correct portions from the previous story with the idea of a truer pursuit this next generation yeah. right um now a lot of examples another good way for you guys to think about the historiography would be what is a history source you liked was there a book you really enjoyed you know um i know i just finished reading um my mom let me borrow a book on uh theodore roosevelt when he loses the election uh his would have been his third term uh and and, yep and he and he basically exiles himself and he and and his son kermit and kind of a crew they go to find like the source of the amazon uh (laughs) and and in the pursuit get incredibly sick you know and he he just about dies you know Um, but so that was a great read i really enjoyed that right um if you look at that book right there's the story right and then in the back of it right there's like in notes right and and that is a great way to view, you know, how has this historian developed this story, right? Because it's not like your historian just, even if they're a very respected and well-known and well-versed historian, they had to do research. They're not just shooting from the hip here, yeah. right? Um, and so when you look at a history book, right, or even, let's see, like a Ken Burns documentary, right? Find their, like, show notes, right? And if you go, oftentimes, I'm kind of flipping through here for this Firsting and Lasting books, about the last fourth of this book is notes. Yeah. You notes. And then it kind of goes chapter by chapter, and it has the citations that, that Gene O'Brien listed throughout, right? And it mentions, like, here's where I got it from. Here's some notes on it. Here's how I found this archive, yeah. right? Look, that's how this story got told. This Firsting and Lasting book, that TR book, the you know, Ken Burns baseball, right? Yeah. Those in notes are really, as you said, they're a roadmap to how has this historian told this story and then who has inspired them, you know? Um, and in the case of like that firsting and lasting concept, right? Those New England writers, right? They were they were not inspired by indigenous sources, no, right? not at all. They were inspired by their own sources, right? And so it kind of gives you a sense of not only how did this story get written, 
Um, but maybe what what blinders did did the historian have? Um, and, and as we mentioned, in this kind of modern field of history, the burden of proof is very high, right? Mm-hmm. And with the internet, you know, they can very quickly figure out, um, you know, hey, did you steal this from somebody? Did you plagiarize, you know? Um, and so the burden of proof is very high, but bias still exists in this field. Uh, it would be an, It would be a lie for us to tell you that any objective history, just like any objective news has ever been produced because we're all going to come in with our own kind of inherent focuses. Yeah. Um, and even if we try to cover our bases, we're still going to maintain that to yeah. some, There's to some, some degree. There's going to be some degree of uh, subjectivity. Absolutely. So here's a question. Um, because this is inherently, there's going to be bias, mm-hmm. right? When you write a paper, Jonathan, um, how do you approach developing the story you're telling and how do you try to like cover your bases? Um, and I think as you answer this question for our audience listening, just know this is kind of historiography in progress, yeah. right? No, that's a, that's an, a great question. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into my recent paper on John Brown. Um, if, if you're a fan of the podcast, you know my feelings about John Brown. Absolutely. I mean, he's on my sweatshirt right now. <laughs> he uh, sure is. He sure he's is. Loud and proud, profile, man. So, loud and proud. Uh, you know, I was already. Had, had bias going into this paper on, on how I viewed John Brown and the importance that I give him in history and, and, and all that. So it was, I made sure that as I was, as I was writing the historiography, I wanted to know the true history of, of how Brown was viewed. And so I made sure that I uh, included sources that were not very nice to John Brown, sure. uh, sources that criticized him. And as I'm writing, I, especially with a historiography paper, I, I try not to make any of my own arguments mm. just to let the arguments of the historiography shine through and and just to kind of explain those. Okay, You know, the, the conclusion is where I can make my own um, arguments and be subjective. Um, but really just just letting the historiography speak for itself. Sure. Um, and a big part of it all was was bringing the context to light. Um, why is this author saying this? Why do they feel this way about John Brown? Does sure. it have to do with their geography? Right. You know, are they from the north? Are they from the south? What's their ethnicity? Yeah. What's their race? Um, why why do they think this what's the political climate of the time right um so i think to answer that question just really just got to hold in your own bias and and just bring in as many multiple perspectives as you can find sure um one of the key things that that we were told is is to tell the story chronologically right and i did find that that telling it chronologically uh, really did help uh, because you're giving a true kind of outline of the events. You're not jumping from right. You're not, you're not doing anything. Right. You're not doing things thematically, right? Which I think if if you're trying to tell the historiography thematically, right, you could kind of pigeonhole yourself sure. into into some um, subjectivity. Sure. Um, but being able to go chronologically and just letting the story speak for itself really helped me. Yeah. What about I, you? And, and that that's very similar to to what I did. Um, and I, I think what I want to add is is you always try to like you really try to expand the voice and you try to think like here's what I know. Um, let me find sources that are challenging 
what I know, and let me see how I can mesh them together. Because really, uh, what what a a a good historic pursuit is going to do is you're blending. You know, yes. Um, this is not you know to to use like a like a you know an alcohol term. Like this is not a single malt scotch, right? Yeah. Single malt scotch is dangerous to history, right? You want to take those single malt scotches and you want to produce a good blend, right? Because in that blend, there's authenticity, right? Um, and and something else I want I want to say um, now, not necessarily for a historiography class where you're just looking at how has the past been told, but in our past classes where it's been more just we're just yeah. telling history, right? Um, so you know if I do um, let's say your um, your uh, uh, your story on on uh, black Americans during the revolution, yeah. right? I'm guessing as you went through that story, right, which for the most part was probably chronological or, yeah, you know, for sure. um, you're not just looking at primary accounts, right? You know, people who are writing, right? You're looking at secondary accounts. You're looking at scholarly journals. Um, and so like, if let's say you're talking about, you know, um, the year 1775, right? For, for the black American, right? Um, you're not just going to look at one type of sources. You're going to look at ones and look, look at sources from different generations, right? You're probably going to look to say, well, let me, let me include in this paragraph, let me include some information from people who were alive during this time, maybe people who were there for this specific moment. And let me find a more modern historian who's talking about this yes. to kind of round out. Now, Jonathan, why is that so important to do? Like to kind of provide a, a, a chorus of voices. I think it, I think it in a lot of cases solidifies or even echoes the argument. Um, you know, if, if you're getting that, that same argument talked about more than once, even generations apart, right. is going to strengthen the overall, the overall narrative. And even if it differs, you can, you can talk about how, how that's been challenged. I, I just know for me to kind of go back a few paces, uh, this whole process, whether it's historiography or other writings, really just trying to, to not use the sources for what you want, right. but letting the sources kind of guide you themselves. Guide you, exactly. You know, like, oh, I'm going to talk about uh, black loyalists, so I need to find in this source something that's going to help me. Mm -hmm. Where instead, just I, I just kind of just open up the book and kind of flip through and be like, absolutely, skim through, and it's like, oh, okay, this is a good, this is a good argument. Uh, what are they trying to say here? That, I think uh, that's such a great way to do that. Yeah, and I, I think, like when I when I'm writing, my office, I look like a madman. Yeah, I mean it, it is <laughs> it is everywhere. a fury. Um, I just finished a um, a really good World War One uh, podcast. Uh, li li listening to uh, Dan Carlin's, I think it's Blueprint for Armageddon. Really, really good. And he is. We always say this is a historic like conversation podcast. He is very much telling a story right um but but he talks about it kind of the end of that that series about how he needs to clean up his office right and 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 that is how i feel about historiography of like so much of historiography it's it's doing the work that doesn't show up in the episode yeah right like when i am writing a paper a history paper or i'm producing a podcast right i have we can see it not, you can see it now jonathan yeah. but i have all these books, they're scattered, they're partially open. I always start highlighting, 
And then I have the problem of I have like five books that I've highlighted, so I don't know where I've highlighted. So I take sticky notes and I just like shove them in between the pages. And so by the time I'm done, I have all these books that are like earmarked and dog marked and they're sticking. I look, I really look like I should be put in an asylum, right? <laughs> but what I'm trying to do back to that example is I'm trying to make a blended scotch, yeah. right? And so I'm really trying to see what does this person say? Like, okay, let me use that. And then, okay, let me hop into my computer. Let me find a more modern scholar. What do they say about this? Um, and just, as you said, just see where the story takes me, right? Yeah, and, and that idea of, permanence right right okay so this is a is an argument or an idea that has outlasted like time right this is something that historians continue to agree with right so that that's good right that i can i can include that right as a trustworthy trustworthy argument whereas you know, most of the ideas of firsting are are, are no longer accepted. Are going to be challenged. You're going to kind of layer some antiquity on that, Mm -hmm. on discussion. But then that that. just adds another layer to the history. Why? Why? Why did those, why are those things no longer acceptable? Absolutely. Um, But I really, I really love that example of, of blended, right? Of a blended history. Yeah. Yeah. And and what it means is, is once you submit your paper, once you finish your, your podcast project, you look back at your office, you know, maybe your, <laughs> maybe your wife or your significant other is like, what's going on? Like, and I have to, <laughs> I have to clean it up. But as I'm cleaning up, as I'm like taking the sticky notes out of the book, as I'm putting them back onto the bookshelf, I, it gives me a little bit of pride to realize like, look, I, I really am kind of doing the hard work of history, right? I'm not just, um, you know, I'm not just opening, open, opening a Wikipedia page, rather, you know, all these books are my, my reference on the Wikipedia yeah. page, right? We, uh, uh, yesterday, uh, so this, this past week I've been refinishing a bookshelf nice. that, that we inherited, uh, sanding it and staining it and everything. We finally put it, put it together. Cause I have all these books now. Right. Thanks grad school. Right. <laughs> um, and it's funny, you know, I kind of, I kind of stood back and, and looked at my bookshelf and it was like, I haven't read all these. I've read parts of these. I've read four parts <laughs> of like, these. Yeah. yeah, it's like I may not have read every single page here. Yeah, but hey, I've read bits and pieces. Right. I've I've read those that index, and I've mm-hmm. read that bibliography. And and look, those those indexes and bibliographies are so important. I mean, I, I know for for um, you know, we talked about how our our Kansas or Crusaders of Kansas. What are we? Kansas Crusaders. Kansas Crusaders. There we go. Our which is going to be our our upcoming probably you know at least two or three, maybe even four episodes uh, on, on Carrie Nation, John Brown, and, and their historiography. Um, one of the books that I really, I love when you find a source and you're like, this is, this is gold, man. This is the Bible. This is the yeah. Bible, right. But, but like anything else, you have a Bible, but you got to diversify, yeah. right? Because I, you know, it's, not, it's not my job to regurgitate one historian's view, but rather many, right? Uh, and kind of reframe that. Um, and so a book that I, I really came to love, and I'll talk about it a lot uh, when we do the Carrie Nation one, uh, but Fran Grace's uh, Carrie Nation Retelling the Life. Um, and so it's like a, I think it's 2000. It's, it's right at the, the turn of the century there. Um, but, you know, Carrie Nation is somebody who's really been, for most of her, she dies, I think, 1911. Um, yeah. Really since then, until like the very recent past, her historic view like how people have talked about her and told her story was largely the same and it's only really in the last like 20 30 40 years that you see it even partially being challenged of like have we kind of uh have we provided an overly simplistic kind of a propaganda you know view of carrie nation um and so she in her book talks about um you know how how 
I think it's in her like her acknowledgement section at the end where she's like, you know, I, I've always felt like this woman got a raw deal. And so when I approached this product, that's kind of what I, what I came into. So you have this like very well-known historian who look, she did her research, right? She, she made a very good book. She proved her Mm -hmm. point historically. Even she's admitting like, Hey, I, this was a passion project for me, you know? Um, but she did all the hard work, all the legwork to do it. Um, and what I love about finding this this Bible on, on Carrie Nation is she has great notes, right? And so if she mentions something, she mentions like a, a New York Times article, a Life Magazine article, um, I can go to the end notes and I'm like, let me find this thing, right? And sometimes you find like, wow, like this was great. And there's even a, another portion that, that Fran Grace didn't mention in here that I want to include in my paper, right? Um, and so I think it's really that, that quote from Newton about your standing, what is it, standing on the shoulders, shoulders of, of giants, of giants yeah. right? Uh, I love doing that because it's great to go back and, and not only see what is this historian saying, but where did this historian get it from? Yeah. And that is just uh, none of what we're talking about, most of what we're talking about doesn't show up on a History Channel episode, right? It doesn't show up in a Ken Burns documentary, right? If you're listening to a podcast by Dan Carlin talking about World War One, he might not go into how he found all these sources. But please know, studying historiography was a critical part of each of these things, right? Um, and and I think historiography kind of gets a raw deal because it's it's not the sexy part of history, no. right? But it's how you get to the sexy part of history, right? It's how you tell that story. Absolutely. Um, it, it definitely is what separates good history and bad history. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I just know my whole perspective has changed that whenever I'm getting a new book, like I think the first place I'm going to turn to is, is the back and look yeah. at, okay, like, how credible is this book? And skim through the bibliography, skim through the, the end notes or the footnotes or whatever it has just to get a sense of, of the legitimacy of yeah. of the scholarship what lens are they going to use yeah. what, what angle are they coming from you know i think of uh or if you really really enjoy the book that you're reading yeah. hey what else can i read yeah you know skim through that as well how did how did they get here how did yeah. they get to this source that i really enjoyed you know um a, a book that you and i both love uh uh, by Taylor, what is it? Uh, uh, American Revolution. American Revolution. Continental history. So that book, for example, has an interesting. Sometimes with with history books, if you want to see what what lens are they going through, the end notes are a good place to find stuff. Sometimes just like the table of contents. Yeah. So he's telling the story of the larger American Revolution, right, and the legacy of it. Um, how is he breaking down this monumental world event? How is he divvying it out? Because that's historiography too. Is how is how is this very well-respected historian breaking down this colossal topic? Um, and how a historian breaks down a topic is going to have a certain amount of inherent bias. Yeah, it's going to provide a little bit of lens um, because you know, fifty years before that book was published, how how a book of the same topic was written might be very different, right? Um, and so in his book, right, I think he does, you know, he has um, a section on, like, partisans, mm-hmm. right? You know, political parties. He has a section on, on slavery, slavery, on uh, legacies, on loyalists, right? Yeah. And so he kind of puts people in, like, almost like thematic Categories, camps, yeah. right? Um, where some people would be just purely chron- chronological. 
Um, I think in his case, he's approaching this as, look, the American Revolution has much more so, inclusive. So much. He wants to be inclusive, mm -hmm. right? And that, that's, I think, his really his key. And so he's like, rather than tell one chronological story, let me tell multiple at revolutions yeah. at the same time um, to provide kind of a, a wider lens, you know? Um, and so as you look at any kind of, you know, history book, history documentary, history podcast, right? How they divvy up stuff gives you a sense of, of their angle also, you know? Um, as we kind of close here, Jonathan, um, as we've mentioned a couple times now, we have some Carrie Nation, have some John Brown stuff going. Um, were you surprised by the historiography on John Brown? Obviously, you'll you'll tell us in depth, yeah. but was it kind of what you came in with, uh, with that angle you came in with, or did you find your 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 perspective kind of challenged? My my perspective was was definitely challenged a little bit, um, and so I I was kind of going into the John Brown, believing that a big part of his historiography was influenced by by race and by kind of the racial politics yeah. of the United States. Um, this idea that his historiography is most likely going to ebb and flow right. along with, with how Americans view um, racial issues. And, and for a lot, for a big case, that, that did seem to be uh, true. What really surprised me was the amount of historiography right from the get-go. I mean, before he's even executed the what some historians would call the myth of john brown was already being cemented really uh, yeah. via pen and paper so that that just really surprised me and and you and i were kind of talking a little bit you know off off the mic that just um how and now i'm drawing a blank uh, just how interconnected a lot of the pieces to the john brown puzzle are you know his relationships with certain groups of people sure um I think that's what just really surprised me of coming from it. It was like, man, this, this seems like such a, and thinking about Harper's Ferry and in, in, in general, which we'll talk more about, this seems like such a important event that yeah. doesn't maybe quite get the recognition it needs sure. just because of how interconnected it is to a lot of other pieces of American history. But it was, I know. I think I texted you right after I submitted my paper. I was like, "Dude, I love John Brown, but him and I, we got to take a break." <laughs> Just because, you know, I read so much. But yeah, yeah. Now it's 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 getting me excited again because right. I just have a new perspective of the individual, sure, but also a new perspective of of the history, right, of him. And and that's you as a historian, like looking at like for example that the the, the microcosm of Harper's Ferry and saying like, look, there's there's more to there's more big picture connections to make with this singular event than yeah. than maybe the scholarship I've read delivers, you know, um, and so you know, and how much of that event has been downplayed because of the historical bias against him, against him over time, and, right? And how that has yeah. you know been squandered, and right. and now is maybe kind of being uncovered by by more modern historians as right. they as they look at him with a little less unbiased eyes. Well, and that, that is such a good perspective on historiography. I mean, I think of, uh, for example, um, you know, inherent bias can get passed on to the next generation. You know, um, we were talking also off mic um, about kind of Carrie Nation, you know, being, being a woman, American woman. So talking about women's history, 
about how women's history, like, it really wasn't provided its own field until, like, the mid-1970s. Mm-hmm. Some people would say even, like, the early 80s. Um, before that, it was kind of seen as, like, this broader, like, social history, you know? Um, and it was, you know, and, and where that comes from, why it was kind of relegated to this kind of, like, side stage, um, it goes back to, like, Republican motherhood. You know, separate spheres like yeah, cult of domesticity, right? You know, if, if we're studying women, we might as well just be studying the home because that's where they are. I mean, so it, it comes from you know a cultural bias that existed in American culture for a very long time, right? Um, and so, as you said, it's the job of the the historian, it's the job of you to say, hey, wait a second, there's more here with Harper's Ferry. It's the job of um, you know Fran Grace to say, hey, Carrie Nation is more than just this crazy radical uh, with a hatchet, right? She's so much more, you know. Um, and it's only with challenging the past that you start to kind of uncover the truth. Um, when we took that revolution class, probably was it last two summers ago? Yeah, something like that. I think so. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all hazy. But, you know, one thing we, we read was that um, we read several sources um, written about the American Revolution in like the 1970s. Oh, yeah. You know, so like the, the, bicentennial. the bicentennial. And all of those, I mean, not all, but like a lot of those those sources had a very kind of like, to use my favorite phrase, my star-spangled goggles, you know, kind of kind of just kind of telling that rosy picture of history. And, and I'm not saying it all was bad, but... Very the, American exceptionalism. Very American right. And very, you know, wave the flag, cue the eagle, right? You know, let the blue angels fly over, right? Yes. You know, um, and why does that happen around the bicentennial? Because there's a cultural celebration in the 1970s of, hey, it's 200 years, right, since the American Revolution started here, you know. Um, and so to say that these historians who are experts in their field, very good at what they do, but to say that they can escape the, the cultural values and focuses of their era, it's impossible to say yeah. that, right? It, certainly, you are a product of your environment. Absolutely you are. Um, and, and look, this podcast is certainly inspired. You know, we've always said we're the stories that, um, you know, are undertold, underrepresented, you know, the stories you didn't learn in history class, you know, and we've really kind of found, found a voice for, you know, underrepresented stories and voices and people, um, you know, the stories you don't learn in, in history class, you know, people who we feel like got a kind of a, a raw deal historically. And look, I mean, I think we're inspired Culturally, I think there is kind of a larger movement um, in history and just in our culture to kind of focus on, you know, like Juneteenth, for yeah. example. You know, for example, like, I mean, you know, the fact that like we are, what, a year <laughs> into that being like a recognized thing, you know, uh, nationally. I mean, uh, I feel like we're certainly inspired by by this kind of larger movement to to tell the rest of the story. You yeah, know? I mean, I, I would be lying if I didn't say... You know, when I look back at a lot of my my research has been kind of focused on on race and, you know, racial tensions, whether that's experience of black loyalists, um, yeah. black patriots, you know, indigenous boarding schools, right. uh, Haitian revolution. Like a lot of that has been inspired by um, racial protests in our country the last handful of years. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, some of it's been coincidence, you know, with, <laughs> like, for example, the stuff in Haiti with the earthquake and the assassination. But, right. Um, right. yeah, you know, we are the product, like I said earlier, the product of our environment. Um, and that has shaped our focus on the historiography of, of what stories we want to tell and how we want to tell them. Right. Um, 
and even even you think Ethan, uh, Ethan choosing to focus for his uh, his master's thesis on you know where do these Native American mascots come from? You know, and and, and there was at the time a discussion in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a national discussion with 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 what's now the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. And look, I mean, right as that was coming out, is as those conversations were 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 kind of being brought up again, and uh, you know. Uh, the, the the school mascot in question here locally here in here in Wichita Kansas what well, it was changed yeah it, it was removed um and so uh, we are certainly as you said products of our environment but I don't think that's a bad thing no I think just as Fran Grace said hey I wrote this book because Carrie Nation got a raw deal I think if someone tells you hey here's my angle right I've proved it I've done the legwork right this is you this is good but I have a bias right that's fine right and what you can do as a listener, as a student of history, as a fan of history, right, is, okay, I have this person's blended scotch. How can I take another source and then make an even more blended scotch, right? How can I even more diversify angles on the past, stories of the past, with the idea of how do I get the best, truest picture, right? Um, And that's what we would challenge you guys to do. we always say, look at multiple sources, study the context, you know, uh, don't just take one angle as gospel and assume that, hey, we're done here. Um, and please know that's what historians do. That's what good historians do. Um, and it's an impossible pursuit um, aiming towards perfection. But, you know, that's all you can do. Yeah, for sure. You know, come in with, with open eyes, take off those star-spangled goggles <laughs> uh, and, and let the history speak for itself. Yeah, dude, I think that's a, a perfect place to end this. Um, those of you listening, please know our next couple episodes, uh, Crusaders of Kansas. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I think sitting down and recording this episode with you, Jonathan, really just kind of gets me excited of like, man, we have some good stuff for yeah. our listeners. Two of my favorite people. And yes, I'm biased, but two of my, <sighs> hey, two, hey. Two of my favorite people. Hey, we're, 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 we're open about how yeah. we feel about these people. Um, so I, I think you're going to enjoy the content. I know we're going to enjoy producing it. Uh, Ethan will be back. Ethan will be back. Uh, we're looking forward to that. He wanted to be here, but something kind of happened last minute. Um, hey, make sure... You uh, you tell a friend about the podcast. We've leave seen, a review. Leave a review. That that is such a great way to uh, to help us out. Um, hey, let us know what uh, we got wrong here. Tell, let us know you know how you've encountered historiography in your in your own life. Make sure to follow us. You know, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can shoot, shoot us a question via email or via, or DM us on on Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to kind of include your thoughts in here. Um, and hey, we have only continued to grow because of you guys um and we owe you guys so much for that um and i want to let you know that that we we may have taken a little break but we have no plans of of slowing down on our on stopping our content because we really enjoy this um and we feel like um the community that has just embraced us is is just it continually rejuvenates us uh, and encourages us to kind of keep trying to tell those kind of undertold stories throughout the throughout throughout the past so um hey thank you for listening jonathan you want to lead us out as always uh stay safe stay sane live the revolution we'll catch you next time